Well, good morning. How are we doing today? And I just, uh, I'm excited to be here. I really believe that God has something pretty, pretty powerful um, for us this morning. And uh, as, a, as, I prepare, as I prepare us for what I believe the Lord has, um, I think there's a danger to come into this place, especially for those of you who've been going to church for some time, and just, just kind of settle in in this moment, right? Like, okay, guy's getting up, he's got his microphone, he opens his Bible, and so we just kind of settle in. We grab our coffee, and we kind of just chill. Let the guy talk, maybe hear a little bit, and then we sing, and then we go. And I just want to really um, say this morning, don't just settle in. Um, I believe the Lord wants to do something powerful in your heart and in my heart this morning. Through the confession, through the bold confession of Haley. And so I just want to caution you from just going to that place of, oh, I can relax now and just sit in a chair. Um, because there's something powerful about confession. Uh, so um, I have... Uh, several kids, and one of the things that's interesting about kids is uh, how brutally honest they are. Um, to the like, to the point, and if you're a parent, um, you've probably experienced this. But like, you go to like a public place, and they say something to a stranger that's just like awkward, right? It's like, what is that on your head? No, 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 right? Like, we have a couple that are like that that are just like. Say, like, don't say that. Don't say that out loud. Well, it's interesting how the Bible oftentimes talks about faith being mirrored like a child, right? This honest confession about what's in their head, about what's in their heart, about what's going on. Just honest. And there's something about growing up and becoming an adult where we feel like that honesty is no longer for us. And we just begin walking through the motions, and we just begin playing the religious game, and we just begin, you know, paying our dues, so to speak, and we stop being honest. I'm just going to tell you this um, before we dive into the story, is where you stop being honest, you stop being free. Where you walk in honest and bold confession, there you will find freedom. And so, um, it's interesting because what often keeps us from honest confession is fear and uncertainty. One of our kids, um, because of his journey in foster care, uh, one of the biggest challenges we have with him is, is lying. Just lies all the time. And here's why. is because he's, he's not sure. He's afraid. He doesn't know if he's loved and accepted. Yeah, he's been with us for a year and a half now, but he doesn't know if he... If, if just going to say, we don't want you anymore, because that's, that's his experience. But where you find yourself in a place where Jesus says, come to me where you will be fully known, and fully loved, and fully accepted. It's only in that place where fear can begin to be pushed aside, and honesty can begin to reign, where deception can begin to be pushed aside, and true realities of what's going on inside of you, what's going on in your life can actually be laid bare. 
before the one who already, already knows him. And so um, I, I want to pray, and then uh, after I pray, we're going uh, we're gonna to show Haley's video. And I just want to, I, I want to say this publicly. I just want to honor her publicly. Um, just bold. I, I sent her a text several weeks back and began talking to her about, hey, do you want to share your story? And uh, she was very hesitant. And, um, and so I texted her back and I said, hey, all I want you to do is pray and just ask the Lord, is this something I should do? And literally, I sent that text in probably within 30 minutes. I think she's like, text me back, and she's like, Caleb and I prayed through it, and we really believe this is what the Lord wants me to do. And, uh, and I just love the bold honesty that you're going to see, you're going to see, and you're going to hear. Um, so let's pray um, before we watch this video. And, and I just want to pray um, for all of our hearts. Um, I'm going to give you a second to just sit with Jesus um, and to just ask him to do a work that, you, that we wouldn't just settle in as we watch Haley's story and then um, as we hear uh, what the Lord has to say in response to it. Let's pray. Mighty God, to be fully known is scary. But when we see that in light of the fact that you accept us and love us in spite of us, is unbelievably freeing. And so what I pray that you do work in our hearts, the bold, honest truth of Haley's journey, that you would humble us to be honest. Father, have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so when it comes to uh, my family and, and their faith, so I know my mom was a really strong believer when she was younger. Like, she'd grown up in the church, um, and most of her family were, were believers. Um, but as she moved, uh, moved around and um, ended up, you know, moving to Chicago and like with my dad and being separated from her family, um, I think that kind of fizzled out a little bit. And so when we talked about God in our household, it was very generic. It was very, um, God loves you, um, and that's that's great, and you should know that. But there wasn't any, there just was no depth to it. Um, we went to church sometimes. It was more of when it was like, convenient. It was. Um, we were part of a church for a short period of time, but um, as leadership changed there, that just kind of fell through. But, um, you know, we'd go to Sunday school during the summers or, or vacation Bible study during the summers um, every once in a while. But it really just, like, my relationship with the Lord wasn't even close to anything real until I was in college. So... My childhood was um, filled with a lot of great memories and a lot of uh, fun memories with my parents and uh, my brothers and sisters, but um, there's also some darkness with that. Um, my parents uh, both worked really hard um, and worked often, and um, that left us alone a lot at home by ourselves, and we're, you know, true latchkey kids, um, which in and of itself is fine, but the, 
the downside of it was that there's trouble that kids at home can get into without like accountability or without adults to like check in and ask questions when they when they should and so um for for me when I was probably like 11 12 years old stumbled across like inappropriate websites and things that I you know had no business looking at and, and dealing with and so um that was kind of the beginning of what I now know to be like an addiction. And as I was like going along through like my teens, my early teens, it was a lot of like sneaking around and um, being very, uh, you know, getting up late at night to go and, and hang out on the computer. And um, so that was one of the bigger prevailing kind of. Um, pieces that while for the most part my childhood was really good like this was something that I had started struggling with really early on you know going forward basically everything escalated fairly quickly um, it was fairly easy to hide how often I was like visiting these sites and going online because you know we're, we're busy there's you know four kids in our house and their school and both my parents are working and so it was just really easy to to hide and to kind of let things um, explode. I didn't want to disappoint my parents because I knew what I was doing was not okay and I knew it was wrong. Um, at that point, God wasn't even really in the picture. It just was something that I had like fallen into and nobody really knows about it so I can you know, just kind of keep doing it in secret. Um, at that same time, so right when I was entering into high school, I started to like play sports and started to excel at sports and um, that became a huge component of my life as well. There was, you know, early on talk about scholarships and about, you know, be playing in college and that'd be really cool. And all of that added to this, like, persona that I am, you know, building or have put together of, you know, this is Haley and she does these things and she, you know, doesn't do these type of things because she's, you know, a good kid and, um, all those different pieces of play so at that point it just made sense to continue down kind of essentially lying to everyone and and kind of keeping a distance between what was actually happening with me and and who I was telling people I was get to my junior year started um, going and visiting colleges and looking at different schools and I went on a practice visit to um, the school I ended up going to, but during the time I had had no intention of, of you know, going to ISU. Um, but when I got there and met those girls, um, and you know, just started talking to them, I just thought, wow, this is this is there's something about them. I want to be with them and spend time with them. Um, and I didn't know it at that point, but all three of them were believers. Um, and what I was seeing in them is just like this. Um, just this glow and their ability to like just bring people in and love people and and love them well um and so that piece just attracted me to ISU and attracted me to them so um again it just it's kind of funny to me because it shows me like God knows me very specifically and knows my heart and what I love and what it would take to woo me and he did those things and to, to bring me you know to a place where I'd be receptive to hearing the gospel and so it was through um, spending more time with those girls and they would invite me to church and to um, FCA so Fellowship of Christian Athletes like meetings and as I'm 
also going to FCA and learning about this this God that I didn't know about, didn't know of. I also like the addiction component like kicked up a ton while while I was beginning of school because I mean there was no completely un, unchecked right like I'm by myself in a dorm room and it's just easy to hide and um, it you know was getting to the point where like I'd leave places early to go be by myself or like I couldn't fall asleep without watching a video or whatever um, and so it, that was just getting so um, all-consuming and so exhausting and so distracting I kind of finally was to a point of like I just want out <laughs> I just want this to stop um, and realizing like I have no power to make this happen like it's kind of like being being trapped and like I can't get myself out um, and so just as I'm learning about this this God that that promises rescue and promises um, just safety and guidance and like all these things that I knew that I needed but had no capacity to get for myself just at one point just kind of threw myself on God and was like I I need you because I can't do this and I'm trapped here and I need you to come down here and get me out of here um but I also am realizing too now that a lot of it was God saying, yes, you are entangled and I'm going to be the one to get you out. So very shortly after that, I met Caleb and another component of God healing um, what I thought about my body, what I thought about relationships was, was meeting Caleb and was through like the forgiveness that he offered, which is, I still don't understand how he forgives as easily as he does Um, but early on in our relationship I did something really dumb and he forgave me just just like that forgave me Um, and I seriously couldn't believe it and I was like I should marry that guy but um, just really couldn't couldn't was still having a hard time grasping that type of forgiveness and that type of love and um, you know that there can be relationship after that Um, and so that was one of the immediate um, like blessings that the Lord brought along and healing healing components that the Lord brought along, you know, right after he was bringing me out of this just dark, dark place. Forgiving myself is still a huge struggle. Um, even though I know, like, what drew me to the gospel in the first place was just the, like, the enormity, like, the amazing enormity that is God knows all of me and knows all of my my issues and my struggles and everything and still is, is like okay still wants a relationship with me and Caleb has been an awesome um, just example of that and being so kind and so um, gosh just so kind and and, um, and forgiving and forgiving when it comes around again when we first got married like like my inability to really have like relationship with him or problems with intimacy like that was really rough on me but it's because I know that I was hurting him and for him to continue to forgive me like even after he's done it once and continues to do it was just such a model of of the gospel and a model of how God loves us and how like Jesus knows knows us and says okay and knows that we will continue to sin and still went to the cross for us even though like I can tell Caleb and I can tell people my story like I I know what it was like 
sitting there every single night and I know what my thoughts were and I know how lustful I am and I know all these things about myself and so trying to forgive myself has been so difficult but even in God is like just so faithful to continue to redeem like even when so I was pregnant with Sam was just really worried about like like I'm gonna have to tell him the story one day and um, God just being so gracious in the you know 2 a.m 3 a.m feeding times just um, speaking over me like yep this is this is what I want you and I know what you've done but I also you're still also very valuable to me and you are the person I want to be Sam's mom and um, just like knowing that and and like experiencing that like over and over again early in Sam's life was just so good it was so good for my soul an overarching theme of my story I feel like it's just been God's faithfulness to pursue and like faithfulness to do the hard things that love requires so like faithful to um, pursue me in a way that's so specific and unique to me because he he wanted me there is I am valuable to him and uh, faithful to like walk me through my wretchedness and show me what is happening um, faithful to like bring me out of those things and continue to heal as time goes on and as um as as time goes on and as new situations come up or new triggers come up or like whatever he's he's that faithful that it doesn't really matter what happens next he's going to be there If you have a Bible, turn to Exodus 13. Fully known. Think about that. Think about what it means to be fully known. Every thought, every hidden action, everything God knows. Yet in Christ... He says, you are loved and accepted. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just make you want to jump out of your seat? It's incredible. It's incredible. And I just want to, as we begin to journey through the story of God's rescue, I want to look at really God actively saving and rescuing his own that are rebellious. But I want to ask you this, would you be willing this today to be honest? Don't worry, I'm not going to have you stand up and like tell everybody, but um, we'll, we can get you on the screen next week. But um, no, um, if you want. Um, but would you be honest with the Lord? Um, in, in Exodus 13, we're going to look at a story of, of the Israelites who for some 400 years are literally enslaved. They're in bondage. They're under the evil rule of a guy named Pharaoh. And he's just this wicked, wicked man. And for years and years and years and years, 
like these God's people are literally in bondage to evil, enslaved to evil. And it's crazy because um, God, think about this. How often in our, in our thinking, in our religious thinking, um, not gospel thinking, but in our religious thinking, wouldn't, wouldn't we assume that God would kind of be happy about that? Right? Have you ever been wronged by somebody and all of a sudden, like, like something happened to them and you're just like, yeah, like, we deserve, right? Have you ever thought about that? Or you're like watching the news and you see some like evil person finally get arrested and you're just like, yeah, that's what you deserve. Listen, that's not God to us. And here's his people who are under wicked leadership but are equally wicked. And he says, I'm going to rescue you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to actually save you out of the mess in such a way that you can realize that you had no part in it, but only me. And so they're enslaved. And I want to pick it up. We're going to kind of hit bits and pieces of the story, but I want to pick it up in verse 17. Uh, So Exodus 13, verse 17 it says this. Uh, let, let, me, let me preface, because you're going to be confused here if you're not familiar with the story. Um, so at this point, God has, in his mercy, um, has used a guy named Moses to help bring about Pharaoh, releasing them from slavery. And uh, Pharaoh comes on the scene here in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. So I think this is really crazy because oftentimes God's, the path we take in life and God's journey over our life is really not at all what we can imagine or what we can plan for. Okay, because here's like this, this journey, what we would think would be the journey to freedom, like point A to point B, and instead of point A to point B, like go like way down and around. You ever feel like that's your life? Like God, I really felt like, the, like joy was like from here to here, but for some reason you're like taking me on this wild goose chase, allowing me to go on this wild goose chase. And that's what's crazy. Notice what he says in verse 17. Lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Okay, we have this picture in our mind. Here's how we become free from sin. And God's like, if I let you go that route, you would be more enslaved. Because you'd see the war, you'd see the battle that's going to ensue, and you would bail. But I'm going to take you the way that I know, the way that you won't be able to see, the way that you won't be able to understand. But all you can do is throw yourself on my mercy and trust me that I'm going to redeem you, that I'm going to take care of you. Here's what's crazy. I love this. Um, Rick talked about grace at the beginning. Here's what's crazy about grace is that the battle's already been won. Like whatever battle you're fighting, it's, it's won. Can I just tell you that? We fail in fighting sin because we, we're fighting for victory, but 
Bible says we, we have the victory. We're fighting for victory rather than from victory. And here, even in the temptation to return to slavery, this, 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 this belief that like, if I go back, maybe I can find something better. Maybe joy can be better found in me returning um, than me actually finding freedom or that freedom is found maybe in being more enslaved than actually being free. Here's why. Here's why we do that. You ever thought about that? Like, why do I, why do I keep going back? It's because we gravitate to what's familiar. Okay, let me give you a test. All right? How many of you are sitting, for those of you that have been around here, are sitting in kind of the same seat you normally sit in when you come here? Rick's like, nope, I was sitting there. (laughs) Close, close enough. (laughs) You think about that. We gravitate to what we're familiar with. And the older we get, the more true that becomes. We gravitate to what we're familiar with. And when sin is the norm... Regardless of how right or wrong we know it to be, we still gravitate to it. Like you, you experience that? Like so take like unhealthy relationships, for example. Maybe so much of your life is built around unhealthy relationships. Okay? And you know, gosh, this is just wrong and it's unhealthy. But I just keep going back there. It's because it's what's familiar. It's what's easy, even though it's wrong. It's what's easy. You don't have to think, you just do. Part of being rescued by Christ is the reality that actually living victorious would become the norm. You hear that? Like I just want to very, very um, boldly caution us that we wouldn't be so grace-filled, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be careful here, because I want to be so grace-filled, but we wouldn't be so grace-filled that sin would just become okay. You know what I mean? That we would just be okay with sliding into the norm and not being victorious people. Because here's the crazy thing. How often do we define ourselves as sinners when Jesus doesn't define us that way at all if you're in Christ. Like, I'm a sinner. Jesus is like, no, you're not a sinner. You're victorious. You're my child. You've been redeemed. That's the truth of the gospel. Yes, we live outside of our identity oftentimes. We slide to the norm to what's easy. And we stop fighting. Part of what's amazing about this rescue is that God begins to show Israel that actually I'm going to be the one that fights. Did you hear what Haley said? In the midst of the addiction, in the, she came to the realization, like, God, I'm in a mess. And you're the only one who's going to be able to get me out. The only one that's going to be able to help me. Look at verse 21. I love this. It says, And when the Lord and the Lord went before them by the by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. So they're on this journey out of bondage. Um, and it says God's with them. He isn't like waiting over there, like, once you get out of that, then we'll talk. Right? 
You ever think about that? Like God's this cosmic cop up in heaven that's just waiting for you to do something wrong. Oh, just do it. I'm going to nail you. That's not who God is. Like that's not the God of the Bible. That might be the false God that you worship and you give your affection to and you live your life unto, but that's not the God who sent his son Jesus to make us accepted. He sends this pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night to lead them along the way and by night is a, uh, in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. God's, God is with them in the midst of, of evil. With them. Like that will jack with your theology, right? Like how is that possible? God's with them. Say, I'm going I'm I'm to get you through this. I'm going to get you out of this. Here's what I love about this. The victory only comes through Christ. Um, so I, for the past several months, have had uh, the, the journey, I'll just call it that, of, uh, of coaching like four- and five-year-old kids in baseball. Call it a journey. We'll just, the Lord's sanctifying me. Um, and, uh, and I told a parent yesterday at, at our last game, I just said, um, thanks for your help. She was like on the field with her son, like they were running off the field together and she's like focusing him because like here's what happens when four and five year olds play baseball is like they're standing out there and then like a, um, a horse fly flies over and all of a sudden they're like chasing it and running around and like, you know, throwing grass and throwing their glove at each other. And, and I'm just like, this isn't baseball. <laughs> what are you this is a disgrace to the game that I love. Um, and it takes like every possible person um, really to be in the ear of that one kid and be like, all right, buddy, here's what you need to do. Okay, they got the, the, they're up to bat. Are you ready? Get down. Get down. Okay, if you get the ball, what's going to happen? If you catch it, you're going to throw it first. Where's first? First is over there. Okay, what is thro- what, how do you throw it? Like You're just like in their brain. We're going to do this together. It's the only way it's possible, and it really doesn't even work at that point. Anyway, thankfully with the Lord, it's not that way. Um, but here's what's crazy is that to actually teach them the game, it takes you to be present with them, keeping them focused, walking with them. Listen. That's who Jesus wants to be for us. I just love that God's not up in heaven and he's like, this is what you need to go do. Good luck. I'll be up here if you need anything. He's with them. He's walking with them, saying, I'm going to get you out of this. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to be faithful. Um, it wasn't in the story, but I, I just encourage you to go ask Haley after this, the role of the Holy Spirit in her finding freedom and continually walking in freedom. Because that's profound, and that's, who, like, that's how we know God, is that the Spirit of God is in us. So they're fleeing. In the midst of fleeing, Pharaoh has this aha moment like, what did I do to let them go? And he's angry, and so he rallies up all of his guys in 600-plus chariots, and they go after God's people. Like, we're going to get them. We're going to get them back. And they're on the, they're, so they're essentially on the run. And God's with them, protecting them. 
and pick it up at, uh, f- uh, we'll go 14.10. If you have your Bible, uh, 14.10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? So people are freaked out because they know what they endured and they don't want to go back. And they're sure that their leader has led them to something worse. And so now their contention is, maybe it'd be better if we go back. Because there's no good place to die there, so we might as well have a good place to die there. What have you done to bring us up out of Egypt? Is it, is it this, that we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. I just believe the Lord wants to say that to some of you this morning. Fear not. The Lord says to Moses, Fear not. And Moses says that to the people. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, I just love this, you shall never see again. He's like, I'm going to set you free. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. I wonder how often our tendency is that we believe that what makes a good fight is our endurance in the fight rather than our submission to the one who's already won the victory in the fight. It's like, I gotta, I gotta beat this! Listen, God made, God's made no provision for you and I to live the Christian life. None. He, he didn't send us on earth and say, you can do it! Like, you can't. In fact, you're miserable at it. And you're going to screw the whole thing up. So actually, I'm going to do it in you and through you. I'm going to put myself in you and through you because I want you to know me and have a relationship with me and find joy in me. Not just go to church and do some religious juggling and look like you have it all together, but then live a lie the rest of your life. No, I want to do it through you. I'm not up in heaven angry at you. I'm the victorious one. I'm the one pursuing you. I'm the one rescuing you. Listen, Haley's journey didn't come about through her trying harder, but through actually having her identity changed through Christ. I want to show you a passage in Romans, and then we'll look at the end of the story in Exodus. Romans 6. Listen to this language. Romans 6, verse 6. be up on the screen. It says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Okay, think about this, okay? If you're a Christian in the room, this is true of you. That when Christ died, you died. Okay? And that before you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you you live in the sinful nature. You live in the flesh. And Paul's saying... That in Christ, when Christ died, through surrendering to Christ, the old man, the old self, the sinful nature 
died. It's dead. Rendered useless, rendered ineffective is what the original language means. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Listen, that's our identity. As Christians, no longer is sin our master. No longer do we have to listen to its demands and listen to its pleas with us. It's rendered useless. It's dead. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Well, listen. Here's where we miss it. Because that's, that's our identity. If you're in Christ, I don't care what you do, that's your identity. And maybe we need to talk about how to actually live a mature Christian life in the identity that you have as a child, in understanding grace. But that's your identity. And then look at verse 11. Here's what we fail to do. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin. It's like it's one thing to be dead to sin. It's actually another thing to actually live out the reality that sin is powerless apart from the power that I give it. Apart from me just submitting to it. It's powerless. Why? Through the abiding life. Look at the rest of the verse. So that you must, so you also must consider yourself dead to sin. Why? Just dead to sin? Like, I'm dead to that. I'm just dead to that, and that's it. I just, I can't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. No. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. That actually our identity is that we're His. We're His. Relationship with Him. Walking in grace, understanding and hearing Him over and over, saying, You're loved. You're loved. Haley, you are loved in this place. Haley's parents, you are loved in this place. You're welcome in this place. I just want to say we're super glad you're here this morning. You're loved. Alive to God. And then Paul's like, live that way. Live that way. Quit living as if sin is your master. Quit giving into its demands. Sit with Jesus. Let him live through you. Surrender your heart to him. Stop defining yourself by sin. Jesus doesn't do that. Listen, you trying to live your own life in, in, in your own power, you trying to live the Christian life in your own power, is like you trying to part the Red Sea. Okay? That's what happens in our story. Go back to Exodus 14. The Egyptians are pursuing the Israelites, and what happens? They actually get trapped. They get trapped between a 12-mile-wide sea and their enemy. If you've been around church at all, you know how the story goes. Let's read part of it, verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. So they're trapped. They're literally 
they're, they're in no place where they can rescue themselves. And God's like, I'm going to show you my power. And I'm the one who saves and I'm the one who rescues you. And Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove back the sea by the east, strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry land and the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and the left hand. And what happened? And the Egyptians pursued. Listen, it's just under 12 miles across the sea. The sea is over two football fields deep. Over two football fields deep. God, in his mighty power, he says, you can't save yourself. I'm going to save you. Because I love impossibilities. I love bad odds. And he parts the sea. And then it's crazy. It says something about the, the ground is dry. Just think on that for a minute. Um, the Egyptians run after them, pursue and went in after them into the midst of the sea. And all, the, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. So like the whole army is in there. 600 chariots are in there. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud. It's God's still with them. He's still with them. The pillar of fire, um, the pillar cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. He's still with them. What happens? And he threw the Egyptians into a panic clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. I just love that. Like, they're just like, God's on their side. Like, we got to get out of here. What happens? The people cross the sea. And what does God do? The next chapter says that the Egyptians sank like a stone to the bottom. Why? Because they, had, they were under good leadership? No, their leader led them to a roadblock. Their leader led them to a sea. It was pretty bad leadership. All he was doing was doing what God said, and it was a dead end. And God said, to show you my power and my greatness. I want you to hear this. If we're going to be a people that live set free, that we embrace a life that says, I want to pursue victory in Christ, I believe there's three things we have to do. One is first, get honest. You'll never be free unless you're honest about what's going on in your life, about where you're at. Secondly, I think we have to get to the place where we understand that we have a new identity. And if you don't have a new identity in Christ, you need to get a new identity in Christ by coming to Christ and putting your faith and trust in Christ. And then just like the Egyptians, or just like the Israelites did, we have to be a people that live surrendered. That live our lives surrendered. Even in our brokenness. Even in our sin. God's with us. When's the last time immediately you fall? fall into sin, and immediately after you fall into sin, you just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving what I just did. 
and rest in you. You're all I have. It's not your battle. It's not your battle to fight. It's a battle that's already been fought, and God wants to continue to wage a victorious war in your heart and in your life. And so can I just challenge you today to press into him? Gosh, I don't want to be a church that's content. Just content with mediocre understanding of Jesus, mediocre understanding of the gospel, that we would press into his grace and find that he's the one who's going to give us victory. The path of Christian maturity. Let's pray. As we pray, I just want to challenge you as God works in your hearts that you'd follow Haley's lead and get honest. Breathe out what's going on in your life to a friend, to somebody here. God, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you that you've won the victory for us. That we're free. We're free. Oh God, we're going to live free. We live as slaves to sin so often. But God, thank you that where we fail, you're there with us to pick us up, to show us your grace and forgiveness. God, guard our hearts from settling and compromising and rationalizing. God, would you lead us to be a people that are passionate about your grace? And recognize that you're the only means to living out victory. Because you are our victory. So God, I thank you for Haley. I thank you for her family and her parents. I thank you for the vulnerability of her to lead us to be vulnerable before you. So God, would you move among us? In Jesus' name, amen.